You're listening to the Weekly Wrap-Up on Sprott Money News. Well, greetings once again from Sprott Money News and SprottMoney.com. This is your Weekly Wrap-Up for Friday, May the 5th. 2017. I'm your host, Craig Hemke, and joining us as usual this morning is Eric Sprott. Eric, good day. Good morning. Uh, been a tough week for us so far, but, uh, you know, it's never over till it's over. And one of the things that I know you and I both believe is uh, when you see what's going on and you know that, okay, it's got to end someday, it's got to end someday, but uh, it'll be it'll be a tough one for us, but let's get there. And before we begin, let me remind everyone that this weekly wrap-up segment is brought to you by Sprott Money, an accredited Royal Canadian Mint Bullion DNA dealer. Visit SprottMoney.com to learn more. Eric, it has been a very difficult week. Uh, gold down about $40 on the week as I speak. Silver down $0.90. Cents. In fact, silver, Eric, I shouldn't laugh, but it, it's somewhat laughable. Silver is down 13 days in a row uh, in almost a straight 45-degree angle decline on the chart. Uh, I'll let you just pick it up from there and give everybody your thoughts. Sure. sure. You know, uh, Ted Butler describes this as salami slicing, you know, just bang, 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 bang. And as you and I know, and have you written about on many occasions, the whole COMEX setup was that the commercials had these massive short positions and the speculators and hedge funds had these massive long positions. And, of course, we always imagine that someday – the commercial banks will be overrun because of the physicalness of the product. But in the meantime, and really, with, for no apparent reason, I mean, we're hardly going to use the June rate increase as some excuse to sell gold. There's nothing to do with it. It's just, or you know, maybe the Le Pen uh, possible loss uh, this Sunday. And they just use excuses. And then the, the narrative follows the performance. In fact, the dollar has been quite weak this week. You know, normally... You know, that's the real oh, dollar strong gold down, but they can't even use that because it's not true this week. Um, it's just the the commercial banks doing their thing, salami slicing, and then ultimately when they cover their short positions, away we go again. So we've seen it so many times. Uh, I would say the one positive that I can point out is that in the uh, case of silver, each, each of the last five days, the nominations to take physical delivery of silver have gone up after first notice day, which, uh, as well discussed in by Harvey Oregon, has never happened before. And I think we've added about five million ounces of silver nominees, so pushing uh, something like twenty million ounces now, which would be a great month if it happens. Um, so th- that's the one positive I can take away. I, I think if I was to say something soothing, I would say to me the demand for these products is strong. We see great numbers out of India, great numbers out of China. Uh, you know, Russia keeps buying gold. Uh, I'm sure uh, the Europeans have been big buyers. The Asians, of course, all countries are going to continue to buy gold. So I, I've always believed that demand is in excess of supply. Um, and the central banks have to sell. We see data showing all this gold flowing out of the U.K. that doesn't even produce any gold, which is all indicating that there's a shortage. We see the Swiss refineries shipping almost a whole month's supply of mined gold uh, out of Switzerland. I mean, and that doesn't, so there's no other, and there's refineries all over the world, for God's sake, that are also um, manufacturing gold or refining gold. So all all the physical signs are are still very much in our favor. And of course, we also have some of these other signs of, you know, stress in the system. Uh, And I'm more referring to uh, 
what's going on in China with these uh, interest rates uh, between uh, bank loans, inter interbank loans, moving up powerfully here, um, concerns that the alternative lenders are over-levered, which of course they are. And we even have that in Canada where we had an alternative lender, uh, it's called Home Capital Group, uh, where the uh, I think it was the SEC was questioning their accounting standards, and all of a sudden they had to borrow $2 billion from a pension fund here in Canada, and uh, because the deposits just blew out uh, over two billion, I think, in about two weeks, which is a creates liquidity problems, and they got they're going to have further problems because they got these CDs that are sort of thirty and sixty day maturities. Well, as those stars rolling, I suspect that people are going to try to get their money. So, you know, the system is very uh, very tightly wound up here, and uh, anything could tick it off. We haven't even talked about North Korea. I mean, when I look at the positioning on North Korea here with what China is saying and what the U.S. is saying and how theoretically uh, uh, the U.S. is calling all the allies to make sure they're all in line and whatnot. And I just think, man, this thing could start at any time. And uh, that's a good reason. I mean, it's probably the best reason to have gold um, because you'll put something that's that's valuable and movable and nobody else, no counterparty. So there's lots of things to suggest that... Uh, this decline was orchestrated, and, and it will end, and it will head right back up again. So I'm, I'm ever hopeful, and it's, it's unfortunate it's gone this long, but uh, we've been through these many, many, many times. I was saying uh, to you, Craig, that I'm so happy to see you write about the Comex Silver situation, and I, I mean, I've been on this case for about 15 years, and I'm glad to see younger blood coming in here and picking up the the torch and then moving it along because it's just a disgrace what really happened there. So we'll get over it all. Well, as you mentioned, we have seen it before, uh, and and that's unfortunate. But about the only bright side of having seen it before is also recognizing that we've bounced out of these things before. This current period resembles a lot like uh, November 2015, November 2016, early March this year, periods that led up to Fed rate hikes. And now here today, we've gotten a jobs report north of 200,000, and it seems to be a fait accompli. There's a rate hike coming again in June. Perhaps maybe Eric will will turn and rally now as we have from another higher low. Yeah. Well, and, and let's talk about the jobs report for a second. I mean, they, now 211 is sort of a great number, theoretically. Uh, but there was a revision down of the previous month by 20. That gives you an automatic 20 this month, so that would take you down to 190. The participation rate went down yet again. The hourly increase uh, was uh, uh, 0.3, but year over year it's 2.5, so nobody's exactly taken home the bacon here. And, of course, the, these numbers are always fraught with, one, the birth-death model, which always creates jobs out of nowhere, and, of course, the amount, of, the number of uh, part-time jobs would don't pay anything like, like the um, full-time jobs do. So... The numbers are always suspect, no matter what they are. Uh, do we really trust that the government's going to ever tell us the real uh, employment situation? You know, they're they're paid to say things are great and everything's wonderful and let's keep it together, even though a lot of us in our camp realize, man, this thing is so stressed out here that the central banks have had to buy whatever the number is, $10 trillion of securities to try to keep the markets together. And, uh, and the... You know, without that impact, I mean, I, 
we would be in a lot of trouble here. So we got to we got to stay away on all of this. Thing. We, these da- the data points are not strong. You can see that even the uh, Cherry Yellen said, "Well, the weak data is transitory." Well, I'm not so sure about the transitory part because we just had um, April uh, car sales were very weak. We had manufacturing orders, core orders were down. So no, it's not. It hasn't been transitory so far. It's just weak. Period. It's been transitory since 2009, Eric. Um, she left that part out. The I, I do want to ask you though, uh, just kind of go off your memory from 10 years ago. You you mentioned the little kind of mini bank crises that are brewing either in Canada or in China. You know the Vancouver home sales and any of these markets where there were home sales are starting to fall again. And even on on the financial media this morning, they're talking about the jobs and these are some of the best the lowest employment rates since 2008. Do you sense, I mean, I'm kind of starting to get the feeling some of this is starting to look like 2007 and 2008 all over again. Well, you know, that's a very interesting question, Craig, because in my history, I wrote a market letter every month, and I absolutely nailed the NASDAQ top, and I absolutely nailed the 0708 thing and the housing crisis and the whole stop and the short everything under the sun and was huge. Those were the huge years when the market was falling apart. Um and yes, do I get a sense that we have the same stuff? Absolutely. Uh, and, and even worse, because we had to use all this money printing and zero interest rates to keep us there. And my God, if rates ever went up and people lost confidence in, um, in, in certain countries and the rates went higher because of it, oh my goodness, it would, it would have such a devastating effect on the economy. So yes, I do see all those happening again, just like they were then. The conditions are precedent here. So uh, that's why, you know, we can still believe and believe earnestly that uh, gold and silver are the place to be. And they, they, their day will come. And when this market breaks, the most logical thing that's going to happen is gold and silver. But I find it incredibly interesting that the cryptocurrencies are doing what they're doing. I mean, it's absolutely stunning, the, the gain in uh, Bitcoin this year. It's been predicted by some people that that would happen. And in fact, um, I think it's Cliff Hyde that said, well, you see Bitcoin just going crazy. Same person, by the way, who thinks that silver and gold are going to go crazy too. But he's, he's been a little stronger on Bitcoin than he has on uh, silver and gold. But nonetheless, some element of the investors seem to think that a cryptocurrency is where you want to put your money. Now, I haven't really analyzed why that it's critical to us, but it, it's, it's basically people turning their back on fiat currency and wanting something better, which, of course, is the, the best thing that could ever happen to gold and silver. Yes, that's a good point. Uh, lastly, Eric, it's been a, another challenging week for the shares, which is no surprise given it's been such a challenging week for the metals. But I know one of your other uh, day jobs is as uh, chairman of Kirkland Lake Gold, and they've had some great results lately. Can you speak to that at all? I can. Um we uh, we revised our guidance up by about 50,000 ounces. And I think when we started this process, uh, we've now closed three mines that produced uh, over 100,000 ounces. And uh, yet our guidance has been raised because we've had some uh, wonderful success, uh, particularly in our Fosterville mine in Australia. And um, it would be interesting for people to, to look at the news release. I think we announced that our costs are going down by $150 an ounce. I, I saw a very good... A description of that and somebody said well you know that's like gold going from 1200 to 1350 when your costs go down by 150 it's the same impact right and uh, so that was a, a very uh, uh, welcome development 
And uh, the other important thing is we had a, a news release just before the earnings about some drilling we had down there. And uh, I would suggest that people look at that because we had a lot of triple-digit grams per ton um, drilling results over very decent widths. Some of them up as high as 400 and 600 grams uh, per ton, which is 13 to uh, what 17 ounces per ton sort of thing. And uh, I've, I've never seen results like that. I've been around a long time. I remember when Red Lake was reporting their results, and to me, they were the best I'd ever seen. And now uh, we've had better results than that. So I think we have sort of an evolving situation in our Australian operations, and uh, the earnings have been great. We've got a dividend. Uh, a lot of good things happening there. You know, and I point this out because, you know, the, these ETFs are great and, and make it in easy for investors to get exposure to the sector. But, man, we all sit here and watch the the funds flow into and out of the sector. And this rising tide not only lifts all boats, but, man, it it uh, it uh, strands a lot of boats at the same time. Maybe if you're willing to do your homework, there are some great stories yeah. out there. And I'm sure you'd agree. Well, you know, I want it's, it's a good thing you brought that up because, you know, this whole ETF thing, that that's turning out to be a big disaster for all of us, okay? And I'll tell you why. Um, because they changed the model, if you will, by going to larger companies included in the, the GDXJ, a lot of people are upset about that. So you get redemptions of the GDXJ because it's not as J as it used to be, and you're reducing the junior elements of it at the same time. So you got a double whammy. You got guys redeeming, which is putting pressure on all the stocks. Then, for example, like Kirkland Lake, our weighting gets cut in half because you're going to put in uh, bigger cap companies. And uh, so you got a double whammy happening here. So between now and uh, June 17th, I think there's a huge opportunity to, to uh, look at the elements of the GDXJ, which will be negatively affected. I'm, I'm not saying it's going to be more effective or less effective going forward, but they certainly have been affected. And I think it's going to create an opportunity because the, the funny part about it all is that the GCXJ was, was too popular and they, they couldn't deal with it. So they had to change the formula and, and other, other funds will take up that slack. In fact, uh, uh, we have a, a junior gold miners index, which I believe has had some pretty interesting inflows here in the last little while uh, because of this. And then other, others will be created because people want to be in the smaller companies. They don't want to be in the larger companies because they don't have quite the, the bang for the buck. So, yeah, the GDXJ and the rebalancing has had a, had a big effect in the stocks here. I'm glad you're able to point that out for everyone because I'm sure that will continue uh, at least for the next couple of weeks. And our discussions will continue for at least the next couple of weeks too, my friend. So I look forward to speaking with you again next Friday. But in the meantime, I bid you a happy weekend and good luck if you uh, are wagering on the Kentucky Derby. Okay, thanks, Greg. You have a great one too. It is Derby weekend. Good luck to everyone out there. And uh, thank you all for listening. We'll talk to you again next week.